Today's sponsor is the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, a must-read book if your dog has cancer. To get a free excerpt on what to feed your dog, go to dogcancerdiet.com. You'll get Dr. Damian Dressler's Dog Cancer Diet and help your dog with their next meal. That's dogcancerdiet.com to get an excerpt for free of the Dog Cancer Survival Guide. A lot of times people come to us too late, you know, um, and that's just so frustrating. So we've been trying to get the word out more, especially like in Maryland. D.C. we get a lot from, but we've, you know, tried to be in front of as many veterinarians as possible so they can refer their patients to us and get on different websites and get the word out there. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Here's your host, James Jacobson. Hello, friend, and welcome to Dog Cancer Answers. Today's episode is about Fetch a Cure. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to pet cancer awareness, education, and treatment. And Fetch currently serves the Washington, D.C., Virginia, and Maryland areas, but they are constantly looking to expand their efforts and spread awareness and help more dogs with cancer and the owners who love them. And you know what is really cool about this organization? In exchange for helping to fund a dog's cancer treatment, all that they ask is that the owners volunteer to help out with their efforts and fundraisers. To talk about Fetch, we are speaking with the executive director of the organization, Joanne Silverman. Joanne has been with Fetch for 14 years, and she has seen it through some incredible expansions, including the purchase of a radiation facility. Yeah, a radiation facility in Richmond, Virginia. Joanne Silverman, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you spreading the word about Fetch. Well, Fetch a Cure is such an awesome resource, and we just learned about it, thankfully, because you are a subscriber to Dog Cancer News, and you reached out to our editor and said, hey, why don't you list us as a financial resource for, for people who are going through dog cancer? And I think we have corrected that, and we're just so delighted to talk to you and learn more about it, because cancer care can get awfully expensive. Right, Joanne? It certainly can. It certainly can. Yeah, we've uh, we've been around about 15 years, and we have a application process. We deal with any veterinarian you choose to go to, which some other organizations do it a little different than we do. But we only ask for volunteer hours in return, and typically fund 20 to 40 percent of the cost. Well, let's break that down a little bit. So what is the volunteer hours component of your program? We ask people to volunteer any way they can. We have a checklist of about 20 things. Some they can do virtually wherever they are. We're based in Richmond, but we are throughout the area kind of regularly. So how far in the mid-Atlantic do you go? Will you fund? We fund Virginia, D.C., and Maryland. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that that's a lot. It's and a lot. what's the volunteer component? So if you receive some funding from Fetch a Cure, we ask that you either do some sort of volunteer help. Most people do, some don't. It could be as easy as 
you know, going out in your area and taking brochures of heirs to veterinary practices. It could be helping. We do, we're very event heavy, especially in Richmond. So we always need volunteer help with that. We have another program, which I can touch on called Pen Pals. So some people foster dogs or help us get auction items. It's a list of like 20 things. Sometimes it's just calling someone else, going through the program or going through the process, and they want to talk to someone about how it's going. So how did Fetch get started? Got started by a man named Mike Holland and two of his good friends. He was going through the process 15 years ago. He had a St. Bernard named Hannah. They gave her two weeks to live. She had osteosarcoma, so bone cancer. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was not even an oncologist in Richmond, um, more or less radiation. He tried everything holistically and some chemo from his regular vet and just wasn't getting the answers. Ended up going to D.C. for an oncologist and was just... You know, he owned his own business, so he could do what he needed to do to find help Mm -hmm. and to travel. So she lived for two years, very healthy. Um, Radiation was a big component in that. Immunotherapy, which is now kind of front and center, but he did that back then. And in fact, we partnered with the practice that he started with. It's different oncologists. And we actually brought radiation therapy to Richmond, Virginia. So we took over basically a Bon Secours. I don't know if y'all know Bon Secours, but it's uh, the major hospitals here. We took over an old Bon Secours radiation center and turned it into a veterinary cancer center. So through Mr. Holland's experience with his own dog, he made things better in central Virginia. And Richmond, of course, is the capital. We have listeners all over the world. So Richmond is the capital of Virginia, and Virginia is a pretty pretty big state. Yeah. So that was the genesis of Fetch a Cure. Right. But obviously, you have some resources now. How big is your budget annually? You're the executive director. It's about five hundred to 700000 depending on on the year and the pandemic and whatever. <laughs> the pandemic affects all of us. And, and where does that funding come from? It comes from a lot of different sources. It comes from individuals, individual donors. It comes from foundations. It comes from sponsorships through veterinary practices. It comes through events. So Mike Holland has an event company and is a catering business. So we kind of got thrown into event planning rather early and (laughs) it's grown tremendously. So that is a resourceful entrepreneur. I I like that. And then is this your full-time work, Joanne? Oh yeah. And I've been here. Fetch has been around 15 years. I've been around 14 Wow. Okay. So you go back to the bones of it. I do. In terms of people, when you review applications, is that an ongoing basis? It is. It's an ongoing basis. We accept them anytime. We have a we have a full medical veterinary board, and some of them are on what we call a companions in crisis board, and three to four veterinarians uh, review the cases. And with AIR criteria, they decide who we can fund and who we can't. 
we want to make sure there's at least a four to six month life expectancy for us to fund. Okay. What are some other criteria that you look for in evaluating applications? Mainly it's geographical and it's mostly whether the animal, like I said, can survive four to six months. Also, we do have to look for to make sure since we fund 20 to 40% that they have some resources because it's so expensive and things come up. We will review an application for a second time after, I think it's a four month, after they've gone through treatment four months, they can reapply for more funding. And what percentage of applications do you approve or do you accept for funding? It's about 85%. I mean, it's very high. Okay. So at this point is the challenge to raise more, you know, revenue, more funds so that you can donate more? Or is it to find people who are in need of financial support? It's really 50-50. Both. It's really both. both. Yeah, Yeah. it's both. Because a lot of times people come to us too late, Mm. you know, um, and that's just so frustrating. So we've been trying to get the word out more, especially like in Maryland. D.C. we get a lot from, but we've, you know, tried to be in front of as many veterinarians as possible so they can refer their patients to us and get on different websites and get the word out there. And social media, you know, is great for this. And imagine you apply through your website and we'll put a link in the show notes. How difficult is the application process? You said there are two parts. There's two parts, one for the applicant and then one for the treating veterinarian, which is really important to get because that's where all the what's been done. um, We need a confirmed case of cancer. It can't just be they think it's cancer. We need some sort of diagnosis. So that means the cytology reports? Sometimes, yeah. Cytology or sometimes it's a CT scan. It just depends on the type of cancer. Blood work. And so often time is of the essence. How long does this application process take? This is going to shock you because it's just amazing. We usually turn it around about 24 hours. Wow. It's amazing. It's quicker than cytology. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would say it's regularly 48 hours. But our veterinarians are very committed to us and, you know, it's a priority. I mean, we can have big events going on or whatever we're doing, but it's a priority. And then who does the approving? You said there's a medical board? It's a medical, a veterinarian board. It's um, three to four. We have some in Virginia, some in Maryland. There was one in D.C., so... And composed of of oncologists or veterinarians? It's both. We always have at least one or two veterinary oncologists on that board, but we do have, you know, just veterinarians as well. And you say you fund somewhere between 20 and 40%. How do you determine how much is funded? It's based on income. It's based on the client's income level. Okay. And then if you're in the 15% and not accepted, you can reapply? You can reapply if things change or or if you need more funding. And this volunteer component is such an awesome thing. It's sort of like, you know, pay it forward. Right. What are some of the things, I mean, you mentioned, you know, putting flyers out, but what are some of the more interesting things that people have done with their volunteer commitment? They will do, especially if they're not 
geographically near us. They will do like a fundraiser in their own area, like a give back night at a brewery or a restaurant. I mean, we try to, we've always tried to make, have fun things dealing with what, dealing with cancer most of the time. They can do that. Like I said, we're event heavy, so we need a lot of volunteers for that. We do a dog walk, so we try and get people help with setup and breakdown and finding, you know, vendors and sponsors. We also do, since Mike's dog Hannah had osteosarcoma, we started, or he started right in the beginning, a really cute program. It's called Holiday Bone Treats. We're actually doing that now, and it's bone for bone cancer. Right. And their dog treats in a little package. I should grab one in a minute. And they're the treats. And then we kind of customize a label for the practices or businesses that have sponsored these. And then inside we have the warning signs of cancer. And on the back, it's uh, a little card about osteosarcoma. So we have volunteers help stuff them. And they're kind of parties we, you know, will We'll have a little beer and wine and we'll all stuff these. I mean, it's thousands of them. That is so cool. I so really appreciate the social component as someone who <clears throat> grew up in Virginia and maybe partied a little bit in central Virginia when I was there. Yeah. I appreciate how you've created that balance. Fetch a Cure isn't just focused on dogs with cancer, though. You tell me a little bit about that Pen Pals project with the Department of Corrections. Pen Pals is really interesting. Um, I do want to tell you one other thing located, though, with the cancer side of things. Sure. So from the beginning, we started a, it's called a steel dog project. So like in many areas, I think there were the cows in Chicago. It was fish in Richmond. These are big steel dogs. And <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the cows. Okay, yeah. so you, you have... How large is a steel dog? So we have a couple of sizes. The main size is about four feet tall. Okay. And it's out of steel. And when folks sponsor us or they buy them at auction and put them like a lot of restaurants all around here have them and businesses have them. And the thought is it's awareness and not just a cool art project that when people see it, they think about canine cancer. Now we, you know, we've grown and so many of our sponsors have them. We do like six foot ones and we do them at dog parks. That is so cool. How much does it cost to adopt a steel dog? It's about 3000 including like to have it painted or wrapped or whatever you want. So it's, it's cool. We get local art. With that, we pay local artists to do it for the business or the park or whomever. I imagine there's a gallery of all of these steel dogs who have made their way around. We're trying. We, uh, we'd love to do a book and we talked about it, but you know. You, you have pictures on your website? We do. We do. Okay, we will put a link to that. That is really cool. And again, are these steel dogs mainly in Central Virginia and the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area? Or? Definitely mainly, but mm -hmm. every now and then I know one of in Pennsylvania, people will move and then send us pictures. Like it's one on top of a hill. We have one sponsor who's fantastic and he gets one every year and they're very cool. 
and he will like donate one to a national park, like in Virginia, like the hiking and he'll, he'll kind of like put it out to pasture in one of these great parks, which is really fun. And, um, we had one person who used to own a great little like cupcake shop here and dog bakery, and she moved to Belize. So she sent us a picture of her dog down there. So it's been fun, but I didn't want to not talk about that because it's such a cool project. No, I, I am fascinated. And we will share that because I think that may even make it onto a future episode of one of our other shows on Dog Podcast Network called Dog Edition because that's the kind of thing that is pretty cool. And I'd love to see how far Belize sounds good. I'd like to see how far these, these yeah. dogs can go. If someone wants to adopt a steel dog and help benefit Fetch a Cure, I guess that's just done through your website. Yes, just contact one of us. That's cool. Yeah. So let's go back to the prison project. Yes. Pixies Pen Pals. You guys have great names, Pen Pals, as in penitentiary. What is that about? So that was an interesting addition because we always have been about cancer and education. We do CE courses for veterinarians. It's always been about that. About 10 years ago, we were approached by someone who their sister had started, who was Pixie, started Pixie's Pen Pals. It was like, from what I can tell, the third or fourth prison dog training program in the country. I mean, it went way back. She passed away suddenly of cancer, and they were looking for someone to take this over. And she came to us, and I'm like, you know, that's not really what we do. That's not your mission. I've never been in a prison but it sounds like such a great program and it, it's funded by the Department of Corrections. So I went and sat in on a couple of lessons there and it's in three prisons in Virginia. One in Fluvanna near Charlottesville mm -hmm. is the women's prison and just blown away. So got a couple of board members to go with me and it was just too good a project to let it go by the wayside or not to take it. So we kind of put it in with their mission of, you know, helping dogs and helping dogs help people. And um, it's been going on ever since. It was on hiatus during COVID, obviously. And, mm -hmm. and now I've gotten like two new prisons that are very interested in starting it. So we're hoping to get back in the prisons in January, February. So it's usually it's only inmates that have a spot free record and mm -hmm. have just stellar, you know, situation. Um, we typically the prisons we look at, we want people that are there for a long time so they can be a good trainer. Mm -hmm. And each dog has two inmate handlers, uh, primary and secondary. And we provide everything they need and medical care and and we hire, we have a fantastic trainer, and she goes in once a week and basically conducts training slash therapy sessions, which last two to three hours for the inmates and their dogs. And they have homework, they have books to read. We sometimes get special permission for them to watch films. They're tested on it. And, you know, we, intermittently we'll take out the dogs if we have an event that we can bring them to to kind of show them off and let them find homes and 
it's amazing. And they stay there until they're adopted. And how long can that be? How long do dogs stay in the pen? Well, most dogs are there. The training, they need at least two months, two to three months yeah. um, to just kind of get basic manners. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, we Quinn, we have one dog who has been adopted twice and it didn't work out. And he now lives forever in <laughs> Buckingham County. <laughs> They love him there, and we still provide food and everything he needs. But he does great in the prison, but he just could never find the right home. But that's unusual. Most of them, you know, they can't be real big dogs. It's somewhat breed restrictive. So typically not a dog over 50 pounds. Do they live in the cell? They live in in the cell. cell. One of the primary or the secondary? Both of them. They're all in one cell. And so that's why we can't have larger dogs Mm because it's not much room. Right. Everything has to be approved. Every little treat, every little, you know, leash, every little thing. You can imagine it's very restrictive. What has the Department of Corrections, what has been their response to this program? They love it. Love. They keep renewed. We have like every year, it's a two-year contract and we just got renewed for another two years. They love it. They've put it out for other facilities to take advantage of it. Is anyone else doing this in the country? They are. They are. There are some, definitely some great prison dog programs out there. There have been a lot like in the last probably five or six years, and they're all kind of have a different little spin on it. But it's amazing. We, I'll tell you a funny story. So I had a few dogs that thankfully lived a long time. So when we decided, you know, it was time to get another dog, of course, pen pals, I wanted to get a pen pals dog. Mm -hmm. And we have fostered. We you know, we'll take them out. So my daughter and I, we looked and she picked out a dog from Lunenburg and I probably wouldn't have picked that dog, but, and then it was time. So also a really neat piece of this is when you adopt the dog, you have a full hour lesson with the trainers Mm. and they tell you exactly the idiosyncrasies of these dogs and what they like and what they don't like. And what they're good at, what they're not, and along with pages and pages of their like diary they keep on these dogs. And I've been in and out of all the prisons, you know, regularly. <laughs> yeah, yes. you say that. yeah, I know, <laughs> in this context. And my daughter was 18, I think, or yeah, I think she was 18 at the time. I had to really think about taking my young daughter into a men's prison, and they're all the highest level of security. It's not minimum security camp. Yes. And I had to really, it took me back. And she was like, yeah, I'm going. I want to go. I want to do the lesson. And um, we did. And this dog is, you know, not to have favorites, but he is my favorite. <laughs> Very obedient. Very well trained. He He's pretty good. He's pretty good. He, believe me, he's got a big personality. But what was funny is because we had another dog at the time and I have a cat, we took him out. I wanted to take him out for the weekend to make sure he would fit with everybody. And he wasn't finished his training. So I just wanted to take him out for the weekend and take him back. And our pen pals manager at the time handled that for me and got a volunteer to pick him up and bring him. But you know, that inmate, this was the first dog he had ever trained. And he had his mother call you know, our manager of pen pals who works for me 
and wanted to make sure he was in a safe home and that he was coming back and that it wasn't anyone that would do him any harm. And she's like, no, you should feel (laughs) quite all right. He's in a safe place. We've never had that from anyone else. But when I decided to take one out for the weekend and um, he was awesome and we put him back in to finish his training and then went for the lessons. And that was about five years ago. What a win-win. Yes, totally win-win. Jaren, that is awesome. I want to talk a little bit about your pet loss support group. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to change it a little bit, get back on cancer and the support group that you have for people who are dealing with the loss of a pet. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. It's a strange thing to do, sprinkle this powder on my food, but I wouldn't have it any other way. My time with you is precious and irreplaceable, and I'm thrilled to be with you for as long as possible. Here's to puppy playtime and senior snoozes. <laughs> no matter how old I get, I want my ever pup. It just makes me feel good in this life and the next, and the next, and the next. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damian Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. 
Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. We're speaking with Joanne Silverman. Joanne, Fetch a Cure does so many great things not only donating money and helping with this incredible pen pals project with the prison population and dogs, but also support groups because obviously anyone who is dealing with cancer may eventually have to deal with the loss of a pet. And you have these in-person and Zoom support groups. We do. We do. We started it right before the pandemic. They were very well attended we have a psychologist who had done these before. Dr. Greenberg. Dr. Greenberg. We hired her on. And for a while, it was just through Zoom. But now they're back in person and Zoom. So we have some come in person, which is really amazing. And it really reminds you how big that loss is. And it's been a great thing. It's also been great to virtually be able to connect with people all over the country. And what's the format for the support group? It's really Dr. Greenberg kind of talks about her background and why she got into this. And it was, of course, losing her dog. And then she really leaves it open for whatever people want to say. And it's really, you'd be surprised how it's not a quiet, you know, group. They're there. If they come in person or take the time to zoom in, they want to talk and they want to understand and any way that people have to get through this. Such a, such a hard thing. And the pet cancer support group is really quite fascinating in that we really get people from all over. A lot of Canadians also zoom into that, but it's all the different treatments people are trying. So and there's so many different types of cancer. It's really fascinating. The last one I did, we kind of take turns around here. So not one person. It's a lot to, yeah. to do on your own. So we take turns. It, the people you know, were asking, can you share everyone's email on this call if we all agree? Because we'd really like to talk more. And they all agreed and we shared it and they keep up. And it's just helps knowing 
people are all going through the same thing. And It is. It's such an important thing to know that you're not alone when you're dealing with pet cancer. We have a support group at dogcancersupport.com, which is a very vibrant community on Facebook of, of people who are going through dog cancer and being able to connect with others is so critical. And uh, right. the virtual nature of it, of course, is that it's 24 right. seven. So you know, people can reach into their pocket and connect and it's kind of nice. It is. So Joanne, what is next for Fetch a Cure? Oh, what's next? I think really to get their word out more. We'd love if we get to the point of including, you know, more areas to provide funding. I told you a little bit about our building, which we've expanded that and have different veterinary practices here. We just did kind of an addition. So that's been our project. I didn't get that. So where you're headquartered is also, is that also the radiation, the it is. veterinary clinic? I got it. Okay. It is. So it's also the oncology service, which is part of Ethos, which you may know. They were at a different practice somewhere else in town. Uh, they're all over the country. And they moved their whole practice, which is a staff of 25. They hmm. So we bought this building and they've, built out the rest of the space. Wow. So it's a pretty big facility there. In it's Richmond. huge. It's a huge. On Staples Mill Road. It is. Yeah. It's a huge facility. We also have another holistic veterinary practice that's here also that does chiropractic work and acupuncture and all sorts of things. Wow. An yeah. amazing resource if you live in or near central Virginia. Absolutely. And you guys are doing such amazing work. I'm so delighted that we got to chat today, Joanne. And um, anything you'd like to leave us with? No, I just appreciate the time and getting with us and spreading the word about Fetch and all that you do about dog cancer and all that entails. Well, thank you, Joanne, and thank you for joining us today on Dog Cancer Answers. If you liked any of the links that we talked about, please check out the show notes where we have all those links or visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com. I'm James Jacobson on behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network. I want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.